Welcome to Mom and Mystery. I am your host, Kelly. And I'm Austin. And today we are going to be talking about the disappearance of Emma Philippoff. No way. I actually know about this one. No way. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I am kidding. You are kidding? Oh my God. You totally got me. (laughs) You guys, she got so excited. My eyes got so wide. I was like, no way. Of all the, like, how do you know about it? That's awesome. (sighs) I got you good. You did get me good. Um, so this episode was recommended by our friend Daisy Fritch. Fritch. Man, I do this every time. Fritch. She said it's fresh. Um, anyway, it's, I just struggle with words and names. It's a good thing I have a podcast. Anyway, um, and today is, so we recorded two days in a row. We recorded last night and then we're recording tonight because I'm trying to get this out for our Patreons early. Which means Kelly was glued to her computer and research all day. All day, all day yesterday and all day today, trying to catch up from our vacation and from everything else. And then, um, yeah, I'm trying to get back on track for you guys because I appreciate you and I want to give you your money's worth. So here we go. Let's hear it, Mama Mystery. All right, here we go. So, Emma Philippoff. This is like a really odd story. I wanted to kind of change it up a little bit because we've been talking about some like really tragic, like traumatic stories. And this one is sad. But it's also just odd. It's just kind of like a mind bender, I guess, because there's no real true answers to the end. So I don't know. Maybe I'm giving too much away, but no, I'll go ahead and start. Interesting, different. Okay, so it's not going to be one that's going to make me want to kill blood, somebody. My blood boil. No. Good. So Emma Philippoff was born on January 6, 1986, in Perth, Canada, to parents James and Shelley. She had three siblings, and growing up, she was known for being very independent, talented, creative, free-spirited. She was very kind, very smart. She loved to write. She loved the outdoors and was a great listener when her friends needed someone to lean on. She was Sounds su- a lot like Kelly. <laughs> Whoa. I guess it kind of does, doesn't it? Good at writing. She was compassionate towards people and animals, loved working with the elderly, and also animals and kids. Um, she was so smart that she earned certificates in both photo jur- photojournalism and culinary arts. So she was a talented chef, and she, mo- she moved to China for a bit to teach English over there. And then she eventually came back. That'd be wild. Yeah, I've actually known a couple people who have done that. I can't imagine trying to teach English. Yeah, I've known people who have gone over there and done it, and then I've known some that have done it virtually. That's wild. Yeah, because I have my degree in English, so I, I know some people who were in the same boat, and that's what they did. I mean, obviously, like, English as the language is different than English, like, literature. Have, getting That's off topic. Anyway, doesn't matter. <laughs> you know what? doesn't matter. <laughs> her, her parents ended up going through a difficult divorce, and this reportedly had a huge effect on Emma. But Emma was a very private person and never really opened up about how she was feeling. And that was, like, really about anything. She just kind of... Didn't talk about tough stuff. So at times, she may have come off as kind of hard to read, but she did make it very clear that she loved her family and her friends dearly. So Emma always wanted to live out west in Canada, so she moved to Victoria, British Columbia in the fall of 2011 at the age of 25. So Victoria is just northwest of Seattle. It's like there's a little body of water right there, and if you just skip it, you're in Victoria, British Columbia. So it's really close to the border. 
And um, at this point in her life, she didn't own a home. She didn't have a serious relationship or kids. So she decided that this was her chance to go live where she wanted to live and have a fresh start. So that is where she went. And once she got out there, she moved in with one of her childhood friends and that friend's partner. And she found a job working as a barista at a nearby cafe. Emma loved the outdoors, so living in, Vic- in Victoria was a great fit for her. She spent a lot of time outside, and this love of outdoors manifested into a kind of unique living situation. She eventually moved out of her friend's apartment and began staying in random, kind of sporadic places. She spent a lot of time with some of the people in the local homeless community, She spent time with boat owners, local artists. Her friends began describing her as a bit of a transient. I was just going to say, sounds like a gypsy. Yeah, a gypsy is a good word for it. Uh Yeah. She'd she'd stay in a hotel in exchange for cleaning the rooms, and she'd stayed on friends' boats in the nearby harbor. She'd even just sleep outside and even in a tree. And I tried to picture that when I read it. I was like, in a tree? That must be a huge tree, but like just sleeping in a tree? Sleeping in a tree. Okay. She also began frequenting a local women's shelter in the area from February to November of 2012. She would stay there for about a month at a time, off and on, living in the shelter's attic. And her family had no idea that she was living this way. She would communicate with friends and family back home through sometimes cryptic, sometimes poetic or upbeat emails, and sometimes a phone call on the holidays. But she never let on that she was essentially homeless. So Emma was kind of a modern hippie in a lot of ways, or a gypsy. I think a gypsy is a better word for it. But she preferred to walk around barefoot. She loved travel and adventure. She didn't care for social media or even cell phones. She didn't have cell phones. She didn't care for money. She would get like prepaid debit cards. Um, so she never really had like an account. And um, Super strange way to live. Yeah, and she just never was interested in playing any role in the establishment. So um, eventually, though, she did get a job because she had to learn, she had to earn some sort of living, right? So she gets a job at the Redfish Bluefish Seafood Restaurant during their busy season. And that summer, she bought a van with the intent to live in the van and travel around Victoria. And she also tried filtering some things out of her life, like drinking, smoking, coffee, and sugar. She also became vegan, but by late summer that year, she became so strict with this new lifestyle that she was hardly eating anything and got super thin. Her job at the seafood restaurant was just a seasonal position, so she ended up leaving on October 31st of 2012, ensuring her coworkers that she'd be back in February of the following year. But when she was getting ready to leave her job, she became really worried about what she was going to do during the upcoming winter months, and her friends noticed that she started getting, like, she was distancing herself from them and that she started to become more fearful, withdrawn, and paranoid. The van she bought also ended up getting towed multiple times, and she'd been asking around for the name of an affordable mechanic. So friends who noticed the changes in Emma suggested that she get a membership to the YMCA so she could start like exercising and taking care of herself. And I'm sure they have like showers there that she could use. So I was thinking shower. Mm-hmm. They also suggested that she get a membership or like a card to the local library because she, she was known to enjoy reading books, especially in the children's section. 
So on Tuesday, November 20th of 2012, Emma went to the YMCA to inquire about a membership and their surveillance video shows her going in and out of the building four times within a 14 minute period. And while she's inside, she keeps nervously looking outside, like through the windows as if she's looking for someone. And then finally she just leaves without ever getting a membership. Then on Wednesday, the 21st, Emma calls to request that a tow truck pick her up and take her to Souk, um, British Columbia, where her red Mazda MPV was so that she could have it towed back to Victoria. And on the ride to Souk, the tow truck driver remembered Emma being very upbeat and excited about her plans to go surprise her family back home. So two days later, on the night of Friday, November 23rd, Emma calls her mom, Shelly, and she's in tears because she just wants to come home. And Shelly told Emma that she could come back home to Perth and that she'd come, like she'd fly out to help her move back. Emma would seem on board with the idea and then change her mind just hours later. And she did this repeatedly for days. She'd have her mom book the flight and then tell her mom to cancel it, assuring her that she would figure out her stuff on her own and that she didn't need her mom to do that. Strange. So on Tuesday, November 27th, Emma's mom, Shelly, tries to call Emma by calling the number that showed up on the caller ID when Emma would call her. And when she saw the name Sandy Merriam on the caller ID, she just assumed that that was the name of a friend that Emma was staying with. But it's actually the name of the shelter she'd been staying in all this time. So when Shelly called and they said, no, we're a shelter, she was stunned to find out that Emma was living there. She had no idea. So finally, on November 28th, Emma disappears, and I'm going to go through the timeline according to the website called helpfindemmaphilipoff.com. So this is going to be word for word exactly what it says as far as what happened on November 28th. So 4.30 a.m., Emma phones Shelly, changes her mind one last time, saying, don't come, mom, not today. Shelly tells Emma she won't fly out to Victoria, but against the advice but against the advice of family, takes the first flight out that afternoon. 8.23 a.m., Emma is captured on video surveillance at the 7-Eleven store where she uses her debit card to purchase a $200 prepaid credit card. She is wearing a beige winter jacket, camouflage pants, and her hair is tied up in a bun. And just a side note, she did have hair that was like down to her waist. It was so long. So she's carrying several bags over her shoulder, including her orange purse. She lingers in the store by the doors, nervously peering out the window. 10 a.m., while riding the bus, Julian Heward sees Emma on Pandora Street across from Alex Golden Hall. He gets off a few stops early to talk to Emma, who was standing on the edge of the sidewalk, one step away from the road. She was wearing a puffy, light-colored coat, her hoodie pulled up over her head, and her hair flowing out in disarray. She's carrying plastic bags in each hand with more bags over her shoulder and across her chest. He observes her from the back and profile but cannot see her face, so he decides to go register for his health card as planned and returns to find Emma still there, standing motionless on the corner. He steps onto the street in front of her and peers into her hoodie to ask if she needs help, and Emma slowly shakes her head as if to say no. He observes her for a short while until he decides then and there he is done with Emma. She won't accept help when offered. So 
Julian must have been a friend of Emma's because it was clear he knew her and it sounds like he was trying to offer her help before. And I don't know, seems like he kind of had a history with her. A little fed up with her. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so noon. Some people think Emma visited the library sometime around noon. Early afternoon, not sure what time, a friend and colleague saw Emma sometime in the early afternoon near um, a soup kitchen, and her hair was tucked into her jacket. She says she isn't feeling well at all and can't talk. He asked her if she needed a hug, but she retreats with an uncharacteristic, horrified look on her face. 1 p.m., a witness sees Emma looking vacant, like uh, vacant-eyed is what it says, so just totally spacey, slowly shuffling along Pandora Street. She isn't wearing a hat. Her hair looks as though it's been freshly washed. She's carrying several several white plastic bags, an orange satchel, and is wearing camouflage pants and a white fleece jacket. What in the hell is going on? Mm -hmm. So these reports are all saying the same thing. She's carrying all these bags. She's got an orange purse. Her hair is either in a bun or it's down or it's Mm -hmm. freshly washed. Yes. So later in the afternoon, two people report seeing Emma on Douglas Street. They were so concerned by Emma's strange behavior of walking back and forth in the street, looking confused and lost. They immediately called police who took the report. However, it's unclear if they followed up. This was the first 911 call made that day, and the witness recalled her wearing shoes, though they later heard from others who saw Emma that day wandering barefoot in the street. And it's probably cold as hell. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's November. Canada in late November. Yeah. Um, so a, later that afternoon, a man who visited the Rock Bay Shelter claims he saw Emma there at some point that afternoon, but this was a shelter Emma refused to stay in as it was a co-ed shelter, and she was very against staying in co-ed shelters. She would only stay in female shelters, so this is, like, not confirmed. Um, between 4 and 6 p.m., Emma is sighted by the same person at two different locations. She first crosses their path as they exit um, the Bay Center, and then she's shuffling, moving slowly northward on the west side of Douglas Street, her long mane of hair flowing out the side of her hood. Is she walking towards the place she's going? How far is that? Nobody knows. Nobody knows where she was going. She was just wandering. So about 45 minutes later, they are in a car, stopped at the corner of Douglas and Finlayson Streets, when, to their surprise, they see Emma crossing the street in front of them. She glances their way and gives a sad smile. They really want to help, but fear that she might question their intentions. So they go to Victoria PD headquarters to report the sightings, um, and they don't do that for two days. So they report that on the 30th. Um, anyway, 5.54 p.m., Emma uses her debit card to purchase a prepaid cell phone at the same 7-Eleven where she purchased the prepaid credit card. Video surveillance shows her paying for the phone. Then she lingers in the store by the doors, nervously peering outside as if she's afraid to leave or if she's avoiding someone. And the cell phone she purchased has never been activated. Six o'clock, Emma goes to the Sandy Merriam shelter. Witnesses at the shelter report Emma becoming very anxious and upset when told by a staff member that her mother is on the way. She storms out the front door. One resident tries to run after her but can't catch up to her. She reports Emma having mixed feelings of relief and fear about her mother's arrival. 
um, 6, 10 p.m., a driver with ABC Taxi picks up Emma near the shelter. She asks him to take her to the airport, but suddenly changes her mind. Even though she had like two or $3,000 in her account, she tells him she can't afford the $60 fare and asks to be dropped off exactly where she was picked up. When they arrive, she asks if she can sit in his cab for a while, and the driver observes her behaving strangely. She becomes anxious and paranoid when she hears the dispatch radio. She stares at it and asks, why is there noise coming out of that? And she pays the fare with her debit card and quickly exits the cab. So 6.15 p.m., shortly after, Dennis Quay, an acquaintance of Emma, sees her standing barefoot on a corner looking disoriented, paranoid, and seemingly unable to cross the street. He asks her if she is looking for someone or if someone is following her. She doesn't say much and keeps looking all around her. She asks him to walk with her for a bit but becomes increasingly uncomfortable with his questions and concern and just decides to go walk on her own. At about 7 p.m., he enters a nearby restaurant to call police and waits until they arrive. He observes them talking with Emma for a while, and it's reported that they talked to her for about 45 minutes, and assuming that she is safely in in their care, he leaves. So it's around 7.17 that the police located Emma. Um, They talked to her for about 45 minutes. She was barefoot, clutching her shoes, and according to police notes, at no time did Emma engage in a dialogue, but rather answered with one word or nodded her head. It was almost 30 minutes before she even spoke and then only gave her name at their insistence. She refused to put her shoes back on, said she was just taking a walk and planned to meet with a friend. By 8 p.m., police decide she is not a threat to herself or anyone else, and they watch her walk away. And this is the last confirmed sighting of Emma. What the hell? That's super disappointing because there's been... That's how it ends right there? Well, no, no, it's not. But it's just super disappointing that after all these people who have called the police to report Emma acting so strangely, they talk to her for 30 to 45, or 45 minutes and say, she seems fine. But what can they do? I don't know. She sounds I mean, like she has mental issues, like she's got schizophrenia yeah. or something. Yeah. Okay, so 11 p.m., rolls around and Shelly arrives at the shelter and learns that Emma did not claim her bed that night. So the shelter calls police immediately to report Emma missing. And then um, at 12 AM police arrive at the shelter to take the report. And Emma is officially declared as a missing person. So the next day, November 29th, the police get a hold of Emma's van, which had been towed In her van, they find all of her possessions, her passport, laptop, journals, camera, and library books. So they have it towed to their lot at the police station. That day, Shelly goes to the shelter to talk to all of the staff, and they inform her of some of Emma's erratic and unusual behavior and tell her that they suspect she had become depressed and possibly even suicidal. December 2nd, a witness reported an odd encounter by the harbor after dark. The witness said that Emma approached them, saying to remember the name Emma Filipoff and asked them to repeat it three times. But this report went unconfirmed. I don't know how you confirm a report. Like, if a witness says it and they insist it happened, then what else is there to confirm? Like, you can't go back in time and make sure... That person was there. So when you say it's unconfirmed, it means the cops didn't confirm it or what? I guess. It just means like it could be 
false. Well, sure. What, what can all things? I mean, right? Can't all things? Yeah, I don't know. I thought that was weird too. So a few days later, December 5th, a prepaid credit card that Emma purchased the day she went missing was used at was used at a Petro Canada gas station. And the man who used the card was questioned and polygraphed by police. He told them that he found the card on the side of the road and he tells them specifically where he found it. But later he calls Shelly three separate times to tell her that he was drinking daily and was too drunk to remember where he really found it. Like, I don't know what the purpose is of calling her multiple times to say, Hey, cause he's probably got mental problems too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds like there's a lot of problems going on. And we'll touch on this as soon as we are done, like, going through all the details. This is kind of a different type of case because usually I kind of tell the story. And this is just, like, time time stamps, you know. Um, Anyway, in May of 2014, a man was captured on surveillance video at a shop in downtown Vancouver with a crumpled-up missing persons poster of Emma Filipoff. He told employees there that Emma was his girlfriend and that he just wanted to be left alone. But despite efforts to find this guy, no one has actually been able to identify him. So he hasn't been questioned. After Emma disappeared, friends, family, volunteers, and a huge search team scoured the area of Victoria in hopes of finding Emma, but nothing was ever found. In the coming years, Tons of sightings were reported, but none of them could ever be confirmed to truly be Emma. And the difficult thing is, is that Emma doesn't seem to have super distinguishable features. She's a very pretty girl, but she doesn't really have any features about her that really stand out. Like, I mean, I'm looking at pictures of her. Yes, she's very pretty, but, you know, I I don't know how I would even describe her. So it's tough because people who think they may have seen her, I mean, she could look just like somebody else. Mm -hmm. So about two weeks before Emma vanished, she was found standing outside the shelter, soaking wet and cold, just staring at a huge flock of crows. It was also around this time that staff from the shelter remember her moving a ton of furniture out of the shelter and across the street because she said they were making too much noise and saying things to her. She also started selling, donating, and even throwing away her personal belongings shortly before she disappeared. What the heck? And Emma talked to multiple people about her love of traveling, and in November, shortly after leaving her job at Redfish Bluefish, she told a friend that she was leaving for Salt Spring Island or Tofino. She told some other friends that she planned on sailing a boat to San Juan, Mexico with a man she barely knew. She... Excuse me. She also talked about moving to California or Costa Rica or Japan or living off the grid in the woods. Basically anywhere. Yes, exactly. She talked about these various places so much that it was impossible to tell where she truly might have gone. I know, and I'm really sorry. I just kind of had to like spill all that info. So that is what we're left with. We, nobody knows where she is. It's been, I think, about eight years now, and still nobody knows where she is. So, That's so weird. It does sound to me, I think you were right when you guessed that she maybe had some schizophrenia. Some or, type of mental issues. Or, yeah, like maybe this, undiagnosed like bipolar disorder. I mean, <clears> it's, it's hard to know. This comes on the back of me just watching... The Joker mm-hmm. with Joaquin Phoenix. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if any of you have seen that, but like, it's a really crazy, sad movie. And it's, it's 
like you said, Kelly, it sheds light on mental health. And, like, yeah. the whole movie, it's weird because, like, the whole movie, like, I would almost say it doesn't have a plot. I mean, it's just all about this guy that has these mental problems. There's not really a, a I don't know that there's really a storyline. Like, there is, but there isn't. And it's just interesting. Well, I think the storyline in, in The Joker is that this man is struggling with his mental health, and no matter what avenue he tries to go down to help himself, he's met with roadblocks every time, and then finally he just he snaps. freaking snaps. And it's a dead-end story. There's no... Yeah, there's no resolve. There's no and resolve. That is there's no nothing. So often the case in 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 in, in real world, life in the world in real life. Yes, yeah. and and it's sad because like you know these mental issues. I mean, I can't even I can't even begin to put myself in the shoes of what it's like, mm-hmm. and I feel terrible for those people. And so I want to say, but I'm not dismissing that. Mm-hmm. Okay, but it's such a massive issue, and people mm-hmm. don't want help, and you can't fix all of it. And it's it's almost just like. I don't know. It's like, hey, solve world hunger. Mm-hmm. Like it's something that you just can't solve mental health. Like you yeah. just can't do it. It's, it's like this un- insurmountable thing. Yeah. And it sucks because these people can be a real danger to society. Mm-hmm. Or danger to themselves. Or danger like to in themselves. the case of Emma. Yet, yet, like, what do you do? There's they just, can't get the help yeah, they need. I don't know. It's just, and there's a guy that walks around our town and he supposedly when he's on his meds, he is a perfect functioning member of society, like perfectly mm-hmm. normal functioning member of society. He can maintain a job. He has a family. I don't know how it's crazy to think he has a family, but he refuses to have his meds. And so he's homeless and he walks around town walking down the side of the highway, getting fights with himself and mm-hmm. following people around and gets in trouble for stalking. I mean, yeah, and it's like, he's followed me into Panera. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, and he's followed like, me into Panera before. And I've seen him do it to multiple and girls. He follows lips, girls. He'll lick his lips and hold his sleeping bag. Yeah. That he, he'll walk with a sleeping bag and he'll set his sleeping bag down in the entrance of places and follow people. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's after you think about that. Like that's a guy that, that like, Here's the deal. That's a loose cannon. You never know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's unpredictable. Yeah. Like the behavior is unpredictable in cases like that. So it's like, you know, you think about this Emma girl. God, I mean, she could be dead. She could very well be alive. Mm-hmm. She here's she could be somewhere. It gives you goosebumps. She could be somewhere using a complete fake name, trying to maintain a job and looking mm-hmm. over her shoulder all the time and then leaving that place and just being flighty as hell. For, she could be out there right now. You yeah. Know? I recently heard a story about a woman who was, um, I think, man, I'm going to have trouble recalling the exact details, but this woman was essentially like homeless and she was put in this psych ward, but she wasn't able to identify herself. And it wasn't so until weird. a 23andMe test, like her family found where she was and she was like out of out in another country. I think she was like originally from Canada, but she was found in California or Texas or something in like a psych facility. And the way they found her was because of some sort of DNA test. That's insane. Yeah. Okay. This is nothing to do with mental health, but I'm just going to say this because it's interesting. Okay. Mm -hmm. Satchel Paige is one of the, one of the most famous successful Negro league pitchers and baseball players ever Mm -hmm. from back like forever ago, like 1940s, 50s. Okay. And he went through, he, he didn't have any mental issues. This is kind of off the, like, off the beaten path of what we're talking about. But he didn't know how old he was for like almost his whole life. And then one time they t- his coach and they got, took him to a bus, on a bus to like this health department. And they were able to pull his birth certificate and he figured out how old he was. 
but he he has some quote, and I wish I could quote it exactly, but it's something like, "How old would you be if you didn't know how old you were?" Mm-hmm. And he was a like one of the oldest MLB players, and he had no idea how old he was. That's crazy. And he was like incredible. But anyways, like I, I don't know, like life just throws people different curveballs, and it's like, man, mm-hmm. it's weird. Yeah, I have my own experience with 23andMe that maybe I'll talk about someday. Not today, not probably anytime soon. But um, yeah, aside from that, though, it is just crazy to think that she could be somewhere. And I wonder if eventually some of those genetic testings will eventually find her, dead or alive, who knows. But I, I hope to God she gets found. And then, of course, there's the risk of sex trafficking. She could have been picked up somewhere and put into that world of human trafficking. Um, she could just be homeless somewhere, not knowing who she is or where she is because she's not getting the mental help that she needs. You know, this is just scary. It's a, it's a slippery slope when it comes to mental health. And Mm -hmm. I wish there weren't so many, I wish there weren't so many taboos around it, which I think those are starting to kind of break down. Like, you know, the, the walls are starting to come down and people talk about it way more often now. But I still know people who are hesitant to get help, hesitant to seek even therapy. And then I also know of people who can't even afford their medications. The other day I went and my medication had like quintupled. And then they finally had to dig for a coupon to like get the price down. And plus my insurance helped. There's people who don't have insurance, who don't have the financial or like pharmaceutical or medical resources to get what they need, to get the help that they need. Mm-hmm. Therapy is so expensive. I mean, better help, you can get therapy through better help, but even that is still a little expensive. Um, you can still, you can apply for like financial assistance to where you get like a discounted rate, but it still ends up being at least around 50 bucks a week. I mean, it's, it's expensive. It's expensive. It's something you have to, and I think you have to pay for like four or five weeks up front, but, um, you know, it is something that you have to prioritize, though, too. So, I mean, it's just, man, it's it's this is like a huge topic for maybe another day. But ultimately, what I think this whole story comes down to is that Emma really needed help, and she just wasn't able to get it in time, and now nobody knows where she is. It's Super wild. sad. Yeah. Hopefully, she's still out there. Hopefully, she gets found someday. I'm hopeful that she will. Um, I know our family holds out hope, so... Anyway, we'll keep you updated if we ever hear anything about it. If you have any details you'd like to add to this case, send them my way. I got most of the information from Help. What was it? Again, let me double check so I don't say it wrong. It's called Help Find Emma Philippoff, and her last name is spelled F-I-L-L-I-P-O-F-F. So that is where all the details are that I found from this story. Um, It includes pictures, um, links if you have tips or anything like that, media, contact, all that good stuff. So anyway, anyway, if you want to go check it out, that's the website. Thanks for listening. We'll be back later this week with another episode. And this week we'll also be having an exclusive episode for our Patreons only. So go join our Patreon if you want to hear it. Mama. Mystery. Out. Bye.